0: This podcast is a ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Trinity Baptist Church exists to exalt God and worship, to equip disciples, and to evangelize the lost. For more information about our church, just visit our website at trinity3e.org. I'd like to ask you if you have your copy of God's Word to please open it to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Of course, Luke, chapter 2, contains the birth narrative of our Lord and Savior. And I want to focus this morning on two verses, verses 13 and 14. Of course, were we to read the verses that precede these two, we would find that Caesar Augustus had issued a decree that all should be taxed. For this taxation to be effective, each patriarch, each leader of the family, had to return to their hometown, as it were, to the place of their lineage. So since Joseph was of the line of David... He and his espoused wife, he and his engaged wife, Mary, went to Bethlehem. Of course, while they were there, the time came and she gave birth to her son as had been predicted. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Now, while this is happening, there were shepherds out in the field. To them, it was just an ordinary night. They were doing their thing. They'd clocked in, probably talking about how the Jerusalem baseball team was doing and just getting settled in for their night's work of keeping watch over the flock. And that's where we pick up in verses 13. After the angel Gabriel had given them the news, we find that suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those With whom he is pleased. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. Even though the television show Star Trek only ran for a few years, from 1966 to 1969, it has left an indelible mark not only on American culture, but even around the world. In fact, the show continues today in various iterations and spin-offs. Of course, one of the best-known characters of Star Trek is Mr. Spock, the Vulcan. And along with Mr. Spock, many are aware of the symbol that he would give the Vulcan greeting. Live long and prosper. I can remember as a kid sitting in church trying to get my fingers to do that, all right? Now, there's an interesting story behind that. Leonard Nimoy, of course, played Mr. Spock, and Leonard Nimoy grew up Jewish. And as the show was being developed, he remembered a symbol that would be often done at the synagogue when the synagogue leaders were giving the blessing at the end of the service. And he remembered the symbol looked like this. The story behind that symbol is this. As he remembered what the leaders of the synagogue would do, and he remembered this, this symbol is from the Hebrew letter Shin. You can see, of course, the similarities there. Shin, that sound begins two very important words in Hebrew. One of the words is Shema, which is the blessing given in Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. But Shin also begins a very important word, shalom. The idea of shalom, the idea of peace and well-being, the idea of the not just the absence of conflict, but inner serenity even in the midst of chaos and crisis. The word shalom also carries with it the idea of Health and prosperity, hence, live long and prosper. Biblically, shalom is associated with the covenant that God makes with his people. Shalom comes from God because God is peace. The passage on the screen is Judges 6.24. As Gideon builds an altar and he called called it, the Lord is peace. And to this day it stands at Ophrah which belongs to the Abeserites. This clarifies why Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace. As was read earlier, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God the Father is peace. So it makes sense that his Son brings peace peace it is Jesus who brings the peace of God to bear upon the earth and that is why peace features so predominantly in the birth narrative of Jesus in fact in the angelic praise given unto to God glory to God in the highest in other words at the highest levels of the universe let glory and praise be given to God and then on the other end of the spectrum On earth, peace. Irene is the Greek word. It echoes the Hebrew phrase, shalom. So when we think of this phrase, peace on earth, there are three levels that I want us to consider it this morning. I want us to think of this peace on earth, first of all, in the large scope of things. Peace in the world. Then I want us to bring it down a level to think about peace in relationships. And then finally, to the innermost level, the level where peace can be most difficult to find, peace in our hearts. We seek after peace. And the tragedy is that since humanity began, there's been strife and conflict. Ever since Cain killed Abel, violence has been growing exponentially. And it seems to be magnified as humanity moved into groups and tribes. In fact, when you survey the history of the known world, of this world, there's never been a year without conflict. The um, Institute for Economics and Peace produce every year the Global Peace Index. This think tank uses a series of metrics to to survey sociologically, scientifically the level of peace within the world. It's very comprehensive. They do their best to cover 99.7% of the world's population. use 23 qualitative and quantitative indicators to measure the state of peace around the world. And even though this year has not come to an end... With the conclusion on the horizon, they have already issued their report on 2023. There is a bit of good news. In 126 countries, the level of peace has improved, which is good. But the bad news is that the average level of global global peacefulness has deteriorated for the ninth consecutive year. Deaths from global conflict increased by 96% in 2023. And the year's not done yet. 79 countries witnessed increased levels of conflict. The global impact, economic impact of violence increased by 17% to $17.5 trillion. 91 countries are currently involved in some form of external conflict. As the old song says, if we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. The message the angels gave that night to the shepherds was a birth announcement. We're familiar with them in our day and time. We celebrate the birth through an email or a card or or something like that. But there has never been a birth announcement like this. And it's very important to remember that as the angels give this birth announcement, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased, that this announcement, particularly the last part of it, could in some ways be interpreted as being not only subversive, but revolutionary. And this is why. Look back to verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, Now, historically, that's very important because Caesar Augustus is the Caesar who ushered in the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. So supposedly, under the reign of Caesar Augustus, he had brought in peace. But now here are these angels saying this, that's not peace at all. In fact, I have a feeling that while they were celebrating the peace of Rome in the the, the colonized halls of Rome these shepherds in Jerusalem were probably saying, if that's peace, we've not seen any of it. Because the peace that Rome had brought was one of tyranny, a peace based upon fear and military might. You want an example of the peace that Rome brought? Read Matthew chapter 2, what Herod did after he had gotten word that a new king was born and killed babies. That's the peace that Rome brought and now these, are, these angels are saying, if you think that's peace, you've got a wrong understanding of what peace is. The true peace will be brought about through God. The peace that God promised, where swords will be beaten into plowshares, will come about not through the power of Caesar, but through the power of Christ. The peace this world needs will not come about through governments. It will come about through God himself. And we see pictures of this in the church. You see this in the early church where groups that were at enmity with one another, that hated one another, are brought together by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we live in a culture that's grown used to violence. We're no longer phased by it. Therefore, it's easy to forget that every act of violence... Tears souls apart. It's never as clean as it's portrayed by Hollywood. About 10 years ago, I sat down with my Uncle John. I'm glad I did. Shortly after we had our conversation, he started slipping into the fog of dementia and passed away about five years ago. But I was so glad I sat down with my mom's older brother. He had served our nation in World War II in the South Pacific in the Navy. I'd never heard him talk one time about what that was like, what he did. But on this day, as I sat in his den, he began talking about it. And I found out that my Uncle John would driven the Higgins boats. If you're not familiar with what those are, those are the boats that would lead the soldiers up onto the beach. He would open the door. And the Marines would fall out. And he would back up and go back to the ship to pick up another group of Marines. And I'll never forget when he looked at me and he said, Mark, I'm in my mid 80s, but I still hear the screams at night. I still hear the screams and the bullets. Oh, God, let peace on earth come. Let it come. And we recognize that the promise of peace will be fulfilled fully at the second advent of Jesus. When wars will cease and the screams will turn into hallelujah and the shouts will be shouts of praise. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But until then, church, you and I have the opportunity to be ambassadors of that peace. You and I have the opportunity to show the world what peace looks like, and we can do so by living in peace in our relationships. It has been well documented that these shepherds were outcast. The irony of their exclusion is that more than likely, they were keeping the very sheep that would be sacrificed in the very temple in which they were not allowed to enter. Isn't that a kick in the pants? They were considered unclean. Because of their work out in the fields. But yet it's interesting that the first announcement of Jesus' birth. After the arrival of Jesus comes to them. Why not in a governor's mansion? Why didn't the angels appear uh, in a palace? The palace of the high priest. or, Or maybe better yet make an appearance at the intersection of Main Street and Broadway in Jerusalem. And really let the world know about it. Why not an advertisement in Rome? Could it be that the Lord is telling us that those on the outside are now part of the in crowd? That this good news of the gospel is not only for those who are the movers and the shakers, those who are powerful, but it's for those who have no power whatsoever, which by the way is the vast majority of us. That's for all who would call upon the name of the Lord That the gospel impacts everyone. That those who are now excluded are brought in. And all who would believe are brought to be a part of the family of God. The peace that we receive from God is to be extended in like manner. To say all who will believe are part of the family. And you and I get the opportunity to follow the example of these angels. And be heralds of that peace. That's why it says in the book of Hebrews, for example, strive for peace with everyone. Why? The peace of God dwells within us. So we become extensions of that. Strive for peace. Strive for holiness without which no one will see the the Lord. Tragically, we know that in our world today, there is no shortage of broken relationships. and This becomes even more prominent at Christmas. Songs that... Glamorize the gathering of family and friends is often met or often met with grief and melancholy rather than joy and cheer. Because the reality is that often at family gatherings, wounds are reopened. We remember words we wish we wouldn't have said. Actions that can never be taken back are tragically brought back to mind. But brothers and sisters, in the midst of this, you and I are called to seek peace. To be agents of reconciliation. Now, I know pragmatically we think, you know, that sounds good. But but what do you do if the other person won't respond? What what do you do when you, you reach out, but the other person will not in any way reciprocate? Well, the reality is you and I cannot change other people. I know we wish we could, but we can't. Truth is, we can't even change ourselves. That's the power of God. But what we can do is to do our best to try. The book of Romans says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As far as it depends on you. And I think that's where whenever we reach out and the other person doesn't respond and will have nothing to do with us, we have to guard our hearts so that we don't fall into bitterness and anger and let those things begin to control us. And if you find yourself in a situation of estrangement, where there's not peace in your household, peace with friends or family, don't stop praying for it and always be open to seek it. Because you don't know how the Lord may be at work. You don't know. I was reminded this week of the story of Jacob and Esau. Now, I'm going to try to share it briefly. It's a long story. But it begins with treachery where Jacob stole the birthright of his brother. Now, that was, that was just wrong You know, never try to sanitize the lives of the saints because they're just downright ugly at times. So Jacob deceives his father, steals Esau's birthright. Esau was complicit with it in a way because he said, yeah, go ahead and take it. And needless to say, they were estranged. I mean, in some ways, it's like whenever there's a, a family conflict over an inheritance where one sibling feels like they've been taken advantage of. That's what happened with Jacob and Esau. And for years, they were separated. From what we can tell in the Scripture, there was no conversation whatsoever until Jacob had finally went too far with his uncle Laban. And Laban said, basically, it's time for you to go. So Jacob, who's a wealthy man man now, leaves, and he's getting ready to go back into Canaan. But to do that, he has to go through a place called Edom. And guess what? The leader of the Edomites is a guy named Esau, Jacob's brother. Now, what do you do when you are about to come face to face with your brother, who's a powerful government employee who you cheated and haven't seen for years? So Jacob, he says, okay, I've got to sweeten the pot. So he starts sending flock after flock ahead of him as kind of a way of saying, hey, listen, I'm sorry, here's all this stuff, this should make up for it. And the night before he meets his brother, Jacob has a wrestling match with God himself. The next day, Jacob comes face to face with Esau. You know what happens? Esau comes to him and grabs him. And hugs him and says, why are you sending all that livestock ahead? I'm glad to see you. Because God had been working on the other end. Even when Jacob was powerless. That's why we seek to do what we can, but we trust God. Never discount what God is doing. And as I said before, if you find yourself in that situation where there's estrangement be open to be an ambassador of peace and guard your heart so that anger and bitterness does not take over because our God is a God who is always ready to reconcile the minute we come to him. We should follow the same suit. And that starts with having peace in our hearts. Sometimes that's the most difficult place to find peace, isn't it? Or we can, we can ignore battles that are taking place halfway around the world. We can even learn to ignore when there's, there's uh, problems between friends and family. But it's hard to escape our own hearts, isn't it? Because this conflict rages in our souls. The conflict rages for a lot of reasons. Sometimes it's that conflict between what we know or how we know we should be and how we really are. And we wonder, God, why is there such a distinction? And we live with this dissonance. Sometimes there's a lack of peace in our heart because simply we want and we can't get. I deserve better. I deserve to be able to go where I want, when I want, how I want, and how dare somebody cut me off in traffic. And There's no peace in our heart. Sometimes we don't have peace in our heart because we want to control things. And when things don't go how we want, we just get mad. We live under the illusion that somehow we are sovereign. Do you know, according to an article in the New York Times, now this is not going to be shocking to you. Guess what? Americans are the most anxious people on earth. Isn't that odd? In this nation of plenty, One study found that Americans are significantly more anxious than residents of nations like Nigeria and even Lebanon. People who live in war zones are less anxious than Americans. Isn't that odd? Billions of dollars are spent every year on medications to reduce our anxiety. Time had an entire uh, edition of its magazine devoted to the issue of young adult anxiety headline was, the kids are not all right. The post-9-11 generation, it said, were raised in an era of economic and national insecurity. Young adults today have never known a time when terrorism and school shootings were not the norm. They grew up watching their parents weather a severe recession and perhaps most importantly, they hit puberty at a time when technology and social media were transforming society. One expert said, if you wanted to churn, to create an environment to churn out people full of angst, we've done it. So what's the answer? How can we find well-being in a world like this? Well, the answer is not in this world. The Bible points out two different types of peace. There's worldly peace and there's the peace of God. The source of the peace you seek makes all the difference. Worldly peace will be based upon the circumstances of this world. The peace of God will be based upon God. Now, you weigh that out. World, God. Where do you think is the most stable form of peace? And what it comes down to is this am i willing to surrender any illusion of control i have and trust god even when things are bad because understand peace is not ignoring that there are problems peace is saying lord in the midst of this i trust you for you are god and i know that you are at work in the world see that's where the latter part of this verse comes into play peace among those with whom he is pleased Most translations, or many translations say, "Good good will among men. It's a very difficult word. It's actually just two words in the Greek. But it seems to point out that God's peace comes upon those who find favor with God. So, if we want peace, we must find favor with God. How do we do that? It's not the way we think. Because the first thing we think is, well, I live good enough, I be good enough, I do all the right things. Those do not give peace because those things are based on what I do, what you do. To find favor with God is to believe in Jesus Christ. You believe in the Son, you are pleasing to God. God glorifies Himself in the Son. And as we have faith in Christ and believe in Him and what God has done in Him, then we find peace with God. His favor rests upon us. That's why He says in Romans 5.1, Since we have been justified by faith, we are justified, made right with God by faith in Jesus. Therefore, we have peace with God. That becomes the source of all the other peace. Yes, we can't change other people. We can't change the other countries. But Christ works within us that we might know the peace of God. Serenity. I can guarantee you, all of us in here have many things in common. But the one thing we have in common is that we all have stress in life. Can I get a witness? Trust God. Trust him and know that he is true to his word. Peace is found in Christ, not in circumstances. Trust him. Bow with me, if you will. I'm going to lead us in a prayer then. As always, after this prayer, you can have the opportunity, if you want to come and need to come, to kneel at one of our kneeling benches to pray. the thing that i have learned and continuing to learn in life is that praying for the peace of god is not just a one time deal now i'm not talking about salvation that is a one time deal that's you place your faith in christ you are saved but you know what we are not home yet so there are times where i know in my life i feel anxiety and worry coming and rising in my heart and i have to come back to this truth to say father you are my father that has not changed you're at work in this. And I have to say and remind myself and speak it to the Lord. Lord, I don't know how. I don't know why. But I know you. I know you. Therefore, Lord, I don't have to worry. You're my daddy. You're my Alba, my father. You've got this covered. What circumstance are you dealing with right now that you need to lay before the Lord? Today may be that starting point because your mind comes back to it time and time again. Every time, Lord, give me peace in this. Give me peace. Trust him in that. Be of good cheer. Jesus said in this world you'll have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And that means he's overcome the anxiety that you face. Father, I thank you that you give us a peace beyond understanding. A peace that at times doesn't make sense. But Lord, I thank you that it's true. And Lord, I pray for myself. I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room because there are times we need to be reminded of that. So Father, whatever is robbing us of peace right now, we lay it before you. And pray that you would replace the worry with serenity and the stress with your peace. Grant this, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.